This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Sit back and enjoy. Welcome to a new episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on Test Cricket by Armchair Critics of the Game. I'm your host, Giri, and I'm joined today, as always, by my co-host, Ajit. So let me welcome my co-host so we can start this episode by asking him how he's doing. So, Ajit, how are you doing? Hi, Giri. I I like the, uh, let's say, the nice uh, repetitiveness we have here, where uh, you always ask me how I'm doing. And I always tell you I'm doing fine. And uh, I'm really hoping long may it continue that the answer will remain the same in spite of the circumstances that we sometimes face due to Corona. But uh, again, the answer is still the same. Uh, I'm doing all right, thankfully. I think uh, in spite of the numbers that we see here, the government is taking some positive steps. They're opening out the restaurants. And uh, I think uh, we could look forward to some cricket some actual cricket on the field uh, later in May, we're hoping, Giri. You hope so. I think your uh, your practice season should start, right? I think that should be in the month of May when, of course, the the relaxations will come into um, force, right? But there are still some restrictions, as I understand. So you can only have the cafes or the terraces open between 12 and 6 in the afternoon. Uh, so there's still a limited amount of people you can have in your home as a guest mm-hmm. and two adults, right? So there are still some restrictions. We are still not done with this, I would say. Meanwhile, the vaccination is, you know, taking its own course. I don't know where we are going with that, but uh, yeah, but at least, you know, <laughs> we, we are trying to assume some sort of normalcy. Uh, it might be a mirage, but, you know, we have to start somewhere. So let's all be very positive and optimistic about the future that is in store. And let's hope for very good cricket. And I hope you have a good season. And may uh, hopefully I can come and watch one of your matches. I don't know if you're changing clubs. Are you changing your club, by the way? No, so, I'm happy with my current club. I have been with them. Nobody is trying to poach you? And, uh, I don't see any reason to change uh, the club. I haven't realized. Well, it looks like I'm not that valuable a player. I've, at least I've, I've not been offered such an okay. inducement in the last couple of years. So... Not a lot of, mm-hmm. uh, let's say, intrigue there. Unfortunately, it's all blank. I, I think that's a good thing. So, uh, well, that's one thing. Now, I think when we get into the cricket, let's first take a look at the international cricket that has been going on. So, well, at least last week, I think we were we jumped the gun when we said there were not a lot of tests to look forward to, and a lot of IPL. And I don't think I had taken a look at the calendar. I think that was not a very clever thing to do. Because there is, there's a test series that has started today. So today is the first day of the test match between Sri Lanka and uh, Bangladesh. So, you know, it's it's been a very eventful day as far as Bangladesh is concerned. So at the end of the first day, they are 302 for two. They've batted out the 90 overs very comfortably. So Tamim Iqbal made 90. And Najmul Hassan uh, Shanto is unbeaten on 126. 
and he's accompanied by his skipper Mominul Haq on 64 so i mean it looks like it could be a long day for uh, sri lanka in the field um, because long time at least because they had a long day today and tomorrow could be another long day because they didn't look to be able to you know generate a whole lot of opportunities so they looked flat on the field at least i watched passages of play here and there and bangladesh were uh, comfortably scoring at almost 4 to an over um, almost beyond t um, then the two wickets that fell fell to the fast bowler vishwa fernando and uh, well after having dismissed saifasan really early in the very second over of the game if i'm not wrong i think uh, he made a good uh, impact uh, vishwa fernando at that point in time but amim iqbal and nazmul hasan shanto really basically blunted the sri lankan bowling attack until the score moved to 152 so from that point on um, you know they had a breakthrough and it could have been crucial because not at half the day was done but then the skipper mominul haq walked in and kept uh, nasmal hasan uh, quiet company at least these both are not as belligerent as tamim iqbal tamim iqbal was scoring at a strike rate of almost 90 but uh, these both they played traditional test cricket they took their time they ground the bowlers out sort of setting the uh, innings and unless unless sri lanka can make some sort of a comeback i'm i'm afraid they are going to look at something like 600 declared by uh, bangladesh and maybe it's it's a, it's a flattish sort of a pitch and they get a similar chance to you know come back and score a big runs themselves uh, so all in all it could be a very intriguing test because sri lanka have not had a good uh, time of it in tests recently so they'll want to make some sort of a uh, impact especially at home they lost uh, a series to england 3-0 if you can recollect that was their last test series and uh, they'll want to win something right um okay that's one thing and uh, if you move on if you were to take a look at some of the other international games there was a t20 the fourth one in the series between south africa and pakistan in this case um, it was a very very you know nice contest if you are a fan of cricket so south africa batting first made 144 with uh, 52 from rasif andre dusan and 33 from yanaman malan and the rest of the order completely failing so the spinners and the fast bowlers of pakistan did really well so haris rauf took two hasan ali three and fahim ashraf three as well um in with that you know it looked like at that point in time it could be a really you know uh, a one sided game but well pakistan were uh, not not to be outdone in you know sort of collapsing they reached a very comfortable 2 for 98 with babar azam and uh, you know fakhar zaman batting and then they both got out in quick succession and only mohammad hafiz made 10 and until mohammad nawaz made 25 it got to a point where actually they needed i think 18 runs of eight balls or something like this at which point in time uh, the fast bowler uh, bowling uh, i think it was um, sisanda magala he had a he's had a sort of middling sort of a day but he was redeeming himself really well but he bowled a no ball then bowled a no ball and got it for a six and then i think uh, that changed the complexion of the whole game and in the last over mohammad nawaz hit another six and took pakistan across so well on their way to a choke i think pakistan really recovered somehow woke up and took the game and with that they take the series 3-1 so that means you know they have won every series they have played against south africa in this season so they won the test series at home the t20 series at home in pakistan then they came to south africa won both the limited overs international series so really well done to pakistan congratulations to the new skipper babar azam moving on in the next game pakistan have gone across the border to zimbabwe uh, probably a part of you know uh, 
tour of uh, Africa, where they are now playing T20s in Zimbabwe, and the first of those matches happened today. So it was it was a very you know unexpectedly tight context. I mean, I'm with no disrespect to Zimbabwe, it didn't look like they might they would be able to compete against a Pakistan team that was you know looking as if it's firing on all its guns. But you know, batting first, Pakistan looked in a bit of trouble. They couldn't let's say score at uh, as freely as they would have liked. Mohammad Rizwan held one end together. I remember even when he crossed his 50, I think it was a 50 or 48 balls. But from that point on, uh, towards the end of the innings, he accelerated beautifully and finished with 82 of just 61 balls. He was supported by Fakhar Zaman up to a point. Then uh, I think Danish Aziz, the debutant, scored a few runs, but nobody else really scored. And at, at the break, 149 for seven, I think Zimbabwe could have uh, you know comfortably taken this total if they had been offered this at the beginning of the game. right? But when it came to their chase, they stopped and stuttered. So the opener, Tamun uh, Hukamwe, that's a new name for me. He scored uh, 29, but he was like scoring at a strike rate of just 80. Uh, Wesley Madhavere began fast, but he lost his wicket. The guy who came at three, another new guy, Marumani, he was out for a first ball duck. After that, Craig Irwin and Ryan Burl sort of stabilized the innings. And towards the end, Luke Young were hit out, but they fell short. They fell short of the target by 11 runs. But that was a gutsy performance from Zimbabwe. And, uh, you know, I was reading after the match that uh, Pakistan head coach, uh, Mr. Mizbaul Haq says, you know, they would be open to some experimentation in the 11, but not at the cost of, you know, costing the game. So it's going to be a slightly more uh, well-contested series than at least we had hoped. But, you know, as it happens with uh, some teams, they start well. But towards the end of the series, they have run out of steam and they're steamrolled, right? It remains to be seen if that's what happens with Zimbabwe, but you know the contest started really well. From this one, if you were to take a quick look at the other international tournament that's actually happening, it's uh, good news for uh, Netherlands cricket fans. So it's a tri-series that's happening between Nepal, Netherlands, and Malaysia in Nepal. So it's being played in Kirtipur in Nepal. So a fantastic tri-series with a game every day. And most days the game is available for free live on YouTube. So for all our fans who want to watch Netherlands Cricketers Live, uh, if you probably played with them on the field or maybe you know of them. And for example, two of the youngsters in the Netherlands 11, right? I was lucky enough to have seen them play live. One guy is Aryan Dutt, right? So he's a good uh, right arm off spinner and he bats in the middle order. Very promising player. He's just 18 years of age. Uh, another one, his name is Vikramjit Singh. He plays for VRA. I've seen both of these youngsters live. Uh, they looked really promising and they're both now in the Netherlands team and they both got an outing. So in this tournament, well, at least the spirit with which Nepal has played really surprised me and uh, Malaysia look short of a gallop as is to be expected. But, you know, tournament is very, very interesting because in the first game, Nepal beat Netherlands. In the second game, Netherlands came back with 100 from Max O'Dowd and they beat Malaysia. In the third game, it was sort of uh, expected Malaysia stumbled and Nepal beat them comfortably. The fourth game of the series was a real, real cracker. So batting first, Nepal made 206, which the Netherlands faced down. Uh, remind you, this is the T20 series. That was a very, very high-scoring game and some fantastic innings. So as a Dutch cricket fan, I was really happy to see uh, Ben Cooper, Bastelida, and the skipper, Sela, come good. So it was very nice if you are a Dutch fan, as I said. The last of the games that was today, you know, it, it was a rain-affected game and Netherlands batting first was sort of slow, but then they picked it up. But, you know, batting second requiring 92 to win. Malaysia 
tied the game thanks to the dutch bowlers with two hours left in the game it looked like malaysia would comfortably walk to victory so a fantastic series just to get a chance to see these teams competing so hard among themselves a really nice thing if you are uh, you know a fan of at least associate cricket and i must say tier 2 international cricket now gire maybe we can go into your uh, favorite uh, tournament the ipl now before i do that you said the last game was tied between netherlands and malaysia was there no super over i don't know if there is a super over for this tournament wait a minute the series no 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 i think you're right every international t20 fit tied should have a super over yeah why not this one no nah, i think it was rain affected so maybe there was no time maybe they had run out of time or yeah, okay. because look i think there was almost like an hour or an hour and a half of rain delay and uh, ne- uh, netherlands innings which was like i think stopped at 10 hours or something was reduced to 13 hours aside and then the second innings again was interrupted by rain so it was reduced to 10 hours aside so i think they did not have enough time to go mm-hmm. through with the super over but yeah i think i'll read up about it maybe we'll hear more about it in the upcoming episode gire mm-hmm. Okay, so let's uh, let's now get into the uh, meat of the matter. So, what do you think about this? Uh, you know, the famous saying that keeps on appearing every IPL season: "Isala Kapnamde." Do you think it's going to be a reality this time round? Because if you look at the points table, mm-hmm. wow! Would you believe it? Three three wins in three matches. Well, RCB has really begun well, so they seem to be firing on all cylinders. So comfortable. couple of games for them com- comfortable couple of victories i mean they could as well be playing in mumbai the way mm. they are playing because big victories thanks to some good top order batting ab devilers has come good a couple of times virat kohli has really not contributed much to talk about right but it's really so far the big show glen maxwell show when it comes to batting so if we take the last of these games versus kolkata night riders a fantastic game because i mean we'll discuss more about how kolkata did today but it's the same kolkata team which has a bunch of match winners in the middle order both with the bat and ball right so in this case rcb batted really well i think they accelerated smoothly even up to the 11th 12th over they, they were only 95 but they had laid a good platform thanks to you know devdat padikal and glen maxwell because the other two in the top order kohli and patidar had failed but from this point on devdat padikal sort of fell fell away but glen maxwell and abd will respect it up and Glen Maxwell was scoring at 160 and AB de Villiers was scoring at a mere 223 uh, runs per 100 balls and he was helped well by Kyle Jamison as well towards the end so they made a very challenging 244 and given that this is you know Chennai where even teams are able to defend 140 which we saw uh, you know Mumbai Indians do it multiple times and yesterday's game where uh, Delhi Capitals huffed and puffed and only won in the last over while they were just chasing about uh, 140 so in this case that was a fantastic total and when it came their turn to bowl their bowling attack looked complete see this is the thing that was missing in all the previous seasons right mohammad siraj did a one wonderful job 3 or 17 runs so he didn't take a wicket kyle jamison was costly to begin with but he came back well and took 3 for 41 yeshwendra chahal was brought back into the 11 he took two wickets washington sundar was sort of costly by his standards but given how much the opposition required you'll take one for 33 from him in four overs and then the pick of the bowlers really the pick of the bowlers for rcb this season harshal patel he took two wickets for 17 runs of his four overs fantastic bowling so as well as kolkata night riders started and continued so shakib alasan made 26 and then oyen morgan 29 and russell tried to get going with 31 but he was dismissed by patel bold right and jamison sort of came back and dismissed uh, pat cummins and that was that 
so it was a sort of a consummate performance giri uh, i mean isala cup namde you know we've seen this before haven't we as in not just that slogan yeah. this are they peaking too early do you think Mm, it it happened last season as well if you remember i think they were playing really well and towards the end they, the, the the spirit sort of phased out and there was there was no you know uh, gas left in the tank as they say mm. i think virat kohli enjoyed his birthday and that was the end of the tournament if you remember in in, in uae right. there was a big party right so uh, and that was the end of the tournament but if you look at the one of the big buys they had this year uh, glen maxwell he scored 250s i think in this tournament and he is playing in a very different way to the way he does normally right so he, he has probably taken on a different sort of role and i don't know what the, the, the chemistry between him and kohli and how the, the strategy that goes on within the unit as well with uh, the hessen you know that uh, he, what is it what's his role chairman trainer manager i think he's so, director of cricket director of cricket okay that's the title okay just like simon katich who's an australian is the head coach is a head coach okay yeah i mean mm-hmm. i think they have got this they've got the right attitude in trying to motivate a guy like maxwell i think yeah he's an enigma if you remember yeah. previously mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean he spent an entire almost an entire season on the bench for mumbai yeah. i think it was 4 years ago or 5 years ago so i mean i think you have to have the right kind of you have to boost his ego but still keep him sort of honest so I think it's an interesting sort of a combination that you have to go for. Yeah. They have gotten it right so far, right? I mean, he's bound to fail at some point in time, but I have a feeling. Okay. I think it's the bowling attack really that's making the difference this time with Siraj, Jamison, and then of course Arshil Patel, fast bowlers. Yeah, but if you if you look at the other match that they played, it was a low-scoring contest. Yeah, uh, not mm-hmm. this one. I think it was against Mumbai, where he scored a very patient fifty uh, when everything right. everybody else around him, you know, uh, were. We're getting out very quickly. He was there almost mm-hmm. till the end, and then I mean, he uh, mm-hmm. ensured that Bangalore got a RCB got a good score towards the end, in excess of 150 mm-hmm. or something, which they could defend. Right. If, I'm, uh, if I'm not wrong, I think it was probably against uh, Sunrisers. I can't remember which match it was. There's so many matches, crazy. There were a lot of matches. We discussed this in detail last episode, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. I think it was the one against uh, Sunrisers. Yeah. You're absolutely right. This was. This was a game where he played a very measured exactly. innings, and in the end, they won by six runs. Yeah, I mean that that was the difference. His innings was the difference between the two teams. You are absolutely right. Yeah, and then you know, every season he keeps delivering. A B D Zilias, he's a freak, right? He is basically a freak. He shouldn't be there playing cricket. And I mean, did you hear about the the discussions that uh, that are going on between him and uh, Mark Boucher that he might make a return to the South African T20 squad? for the T20 World Cup later this year look we hear this every time just before a world cup we always hear this talk i think he wants his cake and wants to eat it too i think we've heard this before i think this time there might be an opportunity for him because if you look at what happened to the south african team against pakistan at home as well as away they have suffered i think they've had no uh, good leadership in that team they had quinton de kock to start with and then they moved on from him to uh, your favorite guy the middle order guy who is temba bauma he is the limited overs right. captain and they have dean elgar as a test captain so forget about test now uh, and i think in the t20s they had uh, heinrich klassen they don't have a good stable uh, team anymore they, they have some guys like uh, some guys like rasim andrusan who is scoring some quick runs now and then but uh, they still miss that uh, the x factor and ab devilius might he's still i think 37 years old 37 36 or 37 so mm-hmm. he's not that old 
can, he can still play a part. If he's playing IPL, he should be good enough to play T20. If he's going to play in excess of 15 matches uh, in a T20 tournament spread mm-hmm. across a couple of months, he should be able to play a T20 World Cup. But anyway, that's that's probably for another uh, uh, discussion. Would say. Yeah, but every double years, I think is uh, he keeps uh, showing what he's made of uh, every single match. I think he makes a big difference there in that uh, middle order. And he he does the finishing job very well. So RCB are playing well. It's only been three matches early days here. Uh, we just saw that CSK are now returning to form. They look like a different unit compared to uh, the tournament that was held in UAE. They, they didn't have any energy, maybe because they were suffering, because there was not enough um, training done during the lockdown period. Uh, so they were probably, probably very raw or rusty. And if you look at this team now, after the first loss, uh, I think they've been playing really well. And the team is again forming under Dhoni. If you look at the players like uh, Rutunaj Kaikwad, who played an excellent 50 today uh, in that match against uh, uh, Kolkata Knight Riders. And they've, they've stuck with him, right? He, he had, I think last season was, he was mediocre. I mean, it's not that good. Uh, but they've stuck with him. They've stuck with those young players. So they have not let them go. I think Chennai have a different strategy compared with other teams. So they're only not just looking at this season, but they're looking forward as well. So this guy looks like a very good player. He's a very compact player. I think I, I, he reminds me a lot of uh, Ajinkya Rahane. He's of similar stature, you know, not that muscular. He's playing really well today. So, I, uh, and Saf, of course, is there. So they, they, they have a very good experience and uh, youth mix there. Indeed. I think they Maybe, got yeah. the order right. Yeah. I think they got the order yeah. right with Moin yeah. Ali coming up top with the left-hander. You know, they tried promoting Sam Curran in UAE. That was one of those moves. If it had worked, it would have been a genius move. Yeah. And I think they pulled it out multiple times. That one didn't work, really. He couldn't get going very fast. But in this case, uh, Ruturaj Gaikwad is sort of, I think, yeah. he's one for the future, I think, they have decided. They have given him multiple chances. I think he yeah. finished strongly yeah. towards the end of the last season. And... Uh, he, based on that, he's been given chances now. He's coming good, right? I think today's innings was really, really instructive. Uh, strike rate of 150. Pav Duplessis not out 95 yeah. today. Strike rate of 160, I think. He's, he's put his, um, let's say, hat back in as far as South Africa is, uh, are concerned. Yeah. Look, Moin Ali is a class player. He always was. Um, he's always looked so languid, so beautiful. He hit yeah. two sixes today. It was completely effortless. I mean, he didn't See. even look like he was trying yeah. to hit the ball off the square. It went clean. Right, and then Dhoni finished it off really well. So when you look at this this eleven with Suresh Raina, Ambati Raidu in the middle order, providing that ballast, and Suresh Raina, I think brings a big brings a big uh, uh, change as far as their uh, attitude and their yeah. ability yeah. is concerned. He was missing last time, right? And uh, I think there with Sam Curran, sort of now a more experienced player, Pavdi Plus is sort of entrenched. You have a decent bowling attack as well. You have Shardul Thakur, Deepak Chahar, who are wily operators. And Sam Curran, who's always who's always up for it, right? And then Lungi Engidi can provide you that firepower. And you always know you have Jadeja in the eleven, you have Moinali. So I think they've got the order sort of balanced properly. There are still a couple of weaknesses here. If they can't start very fast, and if for whatever reason their finishers are Dhoni, Jadeja, and maybe Sam Curran, so the, these people can be tied down. So, but we'll we'll have to see if that. If that ever comes to pass, but you know, if you look at any 11 or any 15 in an IPL team, there are always possibilities of finding problems. So, just like today, when they are firing on all cylinders, they look so good. <laughs> but what about the chase that Kolkata Knight Riders mounted? 
if ever there was any doubt about the batting ability of Pat Cummings, I think it can all be put uh, to rest now. I think he played an amazing innings. Right? So he made, I think he scored 60-odd runs in that match. Yeah, 66 of 34 balls. The strike rate dipped below 200 only in the last couple of balls. Yeah, yeah so he was, he was playing amazingly well. I think the top order, a huge failure for KKR. They tried a lot of things. I think they, were, they panicked a bit in the beginning. They thought they had to score... Uh, maybe close to 80 or 90 runs in the first power play. And that's why they were trying to push too hard in the beginning. Though they, they didn't really read the game well, I would say, the top order. And then they lost, I think, they were five down for 30-odd runs, uh, KKR, uh, until Dinesh Karthik and uh, Andre Russell. <laughs> I think Andre Russell was throwing the kitchen sink at everything and then somehow one or two connected and then he suddenly came back to form all of a sudden. <laughs> Was quite quite a quite a match when he was uh, playing. I think he was he was looking very very dangerous. And when he got out, the score was 112 for six. It was still the 11th over. So from 31 for five in the fifth over, they jumped to 112 for six in the 12th over. I remember. I think Harsha Bogle was saying they scored 80 runs in the last wow. six overs. <laughs> and then it was not done. I thought when Andre Russell got out, I thought this was the end of the match. And then Dinesh Karthik kept the momentum momentum going. Uh, and he was joined by Pat Cummins. And I thought Pat Cummins was, you know, just going to play one or two and then they'll they'll ensure that they don't finish badly so that their net run rate is not affected. But Kat, Pat, I think Pat Cummins uh, played an over against uh, Sam Curran completely. I think uh, the over, the six deliveries that Sam Curran bowled read like this, two, six, 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 four, six. So four sixes, uh, one boundary and then a couple of runs. So it was 30 runs in that over. Uh, and he, he was batting on 20 runs and I think in that over, he finished his 50. So, in just six deliveries, he scored 30 runs. Uh, and then, I hadn't seen him, I hadn't actually seen him uh, strike the ball so cleanly in quite a while. And he hit a couple of sixes on the leg side, you know, a flick, more like a flick towards the square leg boundary. That was, they were huge sixes. Um, so, I think hey, Pat Cummins took them really close, of course, uh, with the others getting out around him. He was not, he didn't have enough support towards the end, but they got very close. They finished on 202, chasing a score of 220. Uh, they were uh, shot by only 18 runs. So it's it's a very close match, I have to say. Just like the one we had with, uh, I think, Rajasthan Royals against uh, Punjab Kings. Punjab Kings managed to uh, you know, clinch a victory on a, with a very similar margin. Sanju Samson's uh, century in win in that uh, match. So it was a very close one, I have to say. I think I, I thought they had lost it, but then they came. They came back and then they almost won it towards the end, but uh, it was not to be. Both these teams look like they are, uh, well, they are looking like they are sort of peaking nicely. They are all their mm. combinations. They are trying to get it right. So even for KKR, they have a very strong middle order now with DK and uh, Dreras and of mm. course Pat Cummins as the finishers. That looks really menacing, right? Because let's not forget that all three are all-rounders so you have dk who's behind the stumps and these both are fast bowling all-rounders that that adds quite a lot right and you had kamlesh nagarkoti bowling today and varun chakravarti bowled really well as well and uh, one one word for um, the way deepak chahar bowled right he was the one that basically reduced um, kkr to 31 for uh, 5 at the end of uh, you know just 5.3 overs even within the power play i must say i had actually stopped watching the game for about five to six hour period when i thought the result was beyond any doubt you cannot expect a team to really mount a challenge chasing 221 when they are 31 for five within the power play overs but 
the way they came back was fantastic lungi engidi was exceptional and he finished very well as well 3 for 28 right so ravinder jadeja was the guy that you had to see they were giving him a lot of respect so when karthik and dreras were batting uh, jadeja was sort of always taken on by yeah. dinesh karthik dreras simply pushed him out to this right all that was very nice this by play within the play was fantastic to see i think shardul thakur took a brunt of the hitting but all this is augering really well as far as the tournament is concerned it's getting set up beautifully because if you look at a couple of other games and some interesting results this week so one was punjab uh, kings versus delhi capitals where dhawan led a wonderful wonderful chase so batting first uh, punjab kings made a 195 for four right thanks to uh, wonderful 50s from uh, one and two and then uh, deepak huda again hitting out towards the end and somehow the form of nicholas puran can be a bit of a problem i think as far as uh, punjab kings are concerned because he's in the 11 every time and chris gale as well as suddenly not really contributing the way we expect him to normally but 195 for 4 is a still a very tough total right from that point on uh, delhi capitals never looked in trouble so prithvi shaw and shikhar dhawan added 59 in just within the power play and prithvi shaw was out but dhawan kept going he never faltered he scored at a strike rate very close to 190 and he was given adequate support pant 15 marcus tonis 27 lalit yadav 12 they did well i mean it's the same team which then you know huffed and puffed to score 140 against mumbai but even though there is a difference in the attack i think it's the mindset dhawan again played well against mumbai remember so dhawan is again shaping up really well giri he's in prime form do you think he can carry this through the tournament yeah he's probably in the peak of his life i think uh, he has had a couple of good seasons with delhi and now he looks to be their mainstay in the batting lineup Uh, with prithvi shaw being very inconsistent i have to say uh, he plays well in one game and he gets a start in the other he doesn't really capitalize but that's the way he plays right so uh, but yeah i think they try to bat around uh, shikhar dhawan but he he's not trying to play the role of a sheet anchor he is also scoring very freely and he has uh, i think he has a lot of clarity of thought to be honest he knows what he is doing and i was i was watching this innings that he was playing uh, he was scoring boundaries at will you know he was finding the gaps at will with the ease the the, the bat just comes through you know the fast hands uh, you know very good timing with that bat and then he finds the gap immediately there is always a gap just like the other game when uh, i think csk were playing probably uh, punjab kings I, i can't remember which game it was every time the ball was hit in the air it was always landing in the hands of jadeja <laughs> jadeja took four catches in that match if you remember right yeah right. so dhoni had placed him in such a strategically good position if you remember i think that was all dhoni's uh, uh, tactical nuance there but anyway coming back to this uh, shikhar dhawan i think he did really well uh, he is the what they call the orange orange or purple i think orange cap orange cap holder at the moment he has scored yes. in excess of 230 runs already in probably four games so it's a lot and he's looking good for another uh, uh, top finish this season Uh, last time of course they lost to uh, mumbai in the finals so we'll see if delhi still have steam at the end of this tournament towards the fact end of this tournament uh, but they are looking good i think rishabh pant i i heard a lot of um, you know positive things about him in the commentary as well they, i mean they keep uh, pumping up his value now and then but uh, what they claim is he sees the game very differently he doesn't see or he doesn't read the game in a conventional way that's the x factor he brings out to the table so he's probably mm-hmm. uh, we are looking at the future of cricket uh, of how it's going to be in the next 10 years if you look at rishabh pant that's the way cricket will be played maybe in 10 years from now 
especially test cricket right so he's going to bring uh, that uh, ruthlessness or finishing a match you know looking for going for a victory that attitude i think he's going to inspire the next generation of players who will always go for the win not play for a draw you know uh, like that so he he reached the game very differently i think he he has a different sort of a mindset anyway towards his batting so let's see if it rubs off on his players he doesn't look very flustered i think he has very good um, staff or the backroom staff are doing really well with Ricky Ponting of course I think. who else mm-hmm. is this found a very good uh, coach i would say to work under we'll probably mold him in the right way uh, for the future yeah okay there's a bit of an exaggeration there yeah, yeah. you mentioned it yeah. but uh, it's okay i mean i'm going to wait and watch right i i'm as happy as the next guy rishabh pant is sort of you know able to take his game to the next level that means you know at the end of the day one of the teams i like india is going to probably benefit from it so let's see how that works out if you were to now move on let's take a look at some of the news from uh, outside of ipl and in the international uh, you know series and other things which are sort of affected still by ipl so for example stokes right who had a broken finger previously now has the finger operated and it looks like he's going to miss the new zealand series yeah giri the one that was supposed to be played in uk yeah it's a shame i think he was he injured his uh, index finger on the left hand uh, trying to attempt a catch successfully of course uh, of chris gale right so i mean i i think i saw it live uh, it didn't look like such a nasty hit to be honest he just took catch and then he was uh, sort of shaking his hand and then he just walked off and then he never came back to field again it looks like pretty serious he needs to have a surgery apparently it's probably that serious um but luckily it's on his left hand so it's not his bowling hand so um, i think he will still have some difficulty in batting because he's dominant left hand dominant uh, while batting but yeah i mean it's a huge loss for england i think uh, he is probably the most important player in that uh, test lineup i have to say and over fist indeed look i mean he it it sort of falls in line with him actually retaining his uh, let's say award for wisdom as the most impactful player of the year mm. right the wisdom player of the year so for the second year in a row he's been given the uh, award of wisdom player of the year that's that shows how important he is as a player within england team and in which, whichever team he plays so i mean even rajasthan took a big hit when he sort of um had to leave the team but i mean we really hope you know he recovers at there is new zealand series and then there is the world test championship final and then there is india versus england as well if i'm not wrong so uh, there's plenty of cricket to look forward to as far as uh, he's concerned and then there's a world cup of course right there's a world cup to be played potentially in india so you know i think we can uh, discuss this a bit later about the world cup but another news is that uh, liam livingston has left uh, rajasthan's uh, you know bubble stating some bubble fatigue giri do we do we see more players like this do you think or is it a one off i think it would happen this this shows why um, the england management were uh, very happy to see their uh, players take some time off between the uh, sri lanka and india series earlier this year i think they wanted to prevent something like this so people leaving out of the blue i think that was uh, they they try to avoid it by planning absences of players and this is probably what's going to happen if you keep playing for i think he was playing for 9 or 10 months uh continuously in bubbles it's probably going to take an effect uh, i mean it will have an effect on anybody i would say uh, if i was asked to be uh, you know in, in the same group for more weeks together yeah i would also get <laughs> very uh yeah edgy about it so it's it's probably good for him i think uh, i hope uh, he comes out of it strongly and he's 
going to be ready for the next limited series which England will play. Yeah. Indeed. So, good luck to him. So, wish him all the best. I think uh, before we go any further, let's take a look at BCC has proposed nine venues as far as the World Cup preparation is concerned, and it's now with the ICC. They are going to take a decision on whether you know BCC will actually be able to host uh, the World Cup in India or not. Kiri, what is your take on this? Um, I don't know. I think it's still early days. Uh, the World Cup is scheduled for uh, October, right? October this year. Yeah, so things can change. Things can change. I have to say. Uh, right now, we have. I think the infection rate every day in India right now is in excess of um, two, two and a half lakhs. So that's something like two hundred fifty thousand cases every single day. And I hope that this goes down with the vaccine program and everything. It, it's probably going to be the same everywhere around the world. It's not just going to be so magnified elsewhere. Um, so they will probably take a call later on. I think this is this is just what happened. Also with IPL last year, if you remember, we were. Facing a similar situation, and then they decided to move IPL to UAE uh, a few months, a couple of months before uh, they were, the, it was supposed to happen. So we have to wait and watch. But the venues themselves, I think uh, Bangalore is also one of them. So I'm happy for that. In that list, I remember seeing Bangalore was also there. But uh, yeah, apart from that, uh, I don't see anything else. I mean, we have to wait and see. In my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think we let ICC take a call on this. A couple of really serious illness news from uh, on and off the cricketing field. So, Muttaya Murli Daran, who was the bowling coach of uh, Sunrisers Hyderabad, has had uh, an uh, no emergency angioplasty. He was taken to Apollo Hospital in Chennai, and uh, I think his wife is a doctor, if I'm not wrong, and uh, she also works in one of the bigger hospitals in Chennai. And he must have had the best of care, but still, it's always a bit you no know, tense whenever you go for a heart procedure. And uh, somebody who's so fit looking. Yeah, he's the second guy in his forties. I think Saurav Ganguly had a similar issue. I think he had multiple blockages. Saurav Ganguly. It was even worse for him. And hopefully he's recovering well as well. But Mutaya Murli, then this came a shock for me because he was still part of that uh, coaching uh, lineup, right? So for Sunrisers Hyderabad, it's always good to hear people, you know, recovering. And I hope that he comes out, comes back out to, uh, you know, play his part for Sunrisers later on uh, in this season. Good luck to him. Right. Yeah, we wish him all the best, and we hope you know he recovers quickly and uh, effectively, and uh, can get on with the rest of his, uh, you know, very probably what will turn out to be a very fruitful coaching career. Now, in another very serious news, uh, it it had not been clear why Sikandar Raza had been left out of uh, Zimbabwean teams. So all we knew was that uh, he was he had been left out owing to some injury. He was never considered for selection. now it has come out that he actually underwent a uh, operation to remove a cancerous or suspected cancerous tumor in his uh, bone marrow uh, even though it's turned out to be not cancerous it's not clear uh, when he is going to come back to cricket so he has to go through some cycles of medication some injections and this is a big blow for somebody who is an active cricketer international cricketer as far as zimbabwe was concerned and uh, we really wish him all the best and we hope that you know um at least it there are no further shocks for him as far as you know cancer or something like that is concerned and uh, he's coming back and playing international cricket maybe already later this year we really hope that uh, he can do that yeah uh, our best wishes go out to him as well for a speedy recovery and we hope to see him back in uh, zimbabwean colors all right now moving on um well 
south africa did you see this uh, latest development that's keep, keep on going on it, it looks like this fight between the ministry of sport and cricket south africa is never ending so the minister has actually threatened to invoke an act something called as a national sports and recreation act with which he can actually dissolve csa because they are not able to come to consensus uh, regarding a memorandum of incorporation so they want to move csa as a body sports body into a let's say a neutral body right at into a let's say a bv as it's called in netherlands netherlands to a majority independent board but it's not happening gire did you get any chance to follow this no the only thing i read was people were forced to apologize or something like that this this is what i think this is what caught my attention but i didn't go beyond that well the national captains both from men's and women's dinel gar and uh, danefan naker and uh, as well as temba bavuma they wrote a letter an open letter apologizing to the stakeholders of cricket in south africa saying and hoping you know that this really sort of gets uh, sorted out in a nice way and it doesn't really balloon out into something more dirty because look at any point in time if the um, government is forced to intervene with the cricketing body then icc takes a very dim view of such a development and then they they could in in effect withdraw the recognition that csa is offered as the body that let's say um, is allowed to call itself south africa in air quotes that that would mean you know that would be a turmoil this is a world cup year and we really don't want something like that happening south africa is one of those teams which we always look forward to in fact i was hoping it's one of those teams that wins a world cup at least this this time around right so we really hope something like this doesn't uh, come to pass and this somehow resolves itself because uh, this this guy mr uh, matetwa looks like a very strong person he has a certain view on how let's say at least csa should function and uh, maybe the board does not accept it because we've gone through multiple uh, waves of controversy and lot of uh, infighting it must be said but we really hope they are able to put it all behind them come to an agreement so that cricket doesn't get affected because okay it's the winter in south africa probably they are not playing a whole lot of cricket there but still you don't want this dirty linen to be washed in the public kiri you will never want to see that happen right so this this never a good thing we have had some issues with south african management i think cricket management and the government we had similar issues also with west indies cricket board if you remember i think uh, i think the board chairman is now reinstated skerit right so we keep the, we, we keep seeing these things happening with all the board so i hope uh, some sort of sanity is restored and uh, people can focus on act the actual game than on these political stuff around it of course politics is also important because that's what keeps them uh, sort of sort of a flood i guess but uh, yeah we have to uh, separate all this uh, dirt from the actual good stuff i hope so i mean it's required it's it, it we can't do without it it's understood but we really hope it doesn't come to the fact that you know actual cricket gets affected or some exactly. teams affiliation gets affected right so we really hope they are able to move on uh, in a bit of good news so bisma maruf has taken an indefinite maternity leave so i think there is some good news there so we wish her all the best for the upcoming uh, hopefully a happy event in her life bisma uh, she is a pakistani cricketer and uh, i think now pcb is mulling actual uh, let's say a chance where they are they are able to put some 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 things in their contract which makes it possible that women cricketers can have a maternity leave for example famously new zealand's um, cricketers were able to take such leave previously i think lia tuhu and i forget her partner's name they took a break where they had a kid so that was very nice so we 
it's nice to see more and more countries being able to pull, make way so that women cricketers are able to you know fulfill both parts of their life as a professional and what their personal plans they may have this is very nice to see so we wish her all the best going further i think we got some news about uh, you know the central contracts from bcci there are a couple of uh, interesting moves both up and down so for example the spinners kuldeep yadav and yuvendra chahal who were sort of in india's at least limited over cricket plans they both have been demoted right and then uh, there are some you know people who have moved up for example hardik pandya has moved up shardul thakur has moved up right there are also some new people who have been included right so you have uh, mohammad siraj akshar patel shubman gill all of these are new new inclusions all nice nice inclusions but of course a couple of people have been let go kedar jadav manish pandey have been let go so if you look at the picture bigger picture how do you see their career spanning out as far as indian cricket is concerned kuldeep yadav and yuvendra chahal kiri for you yeah i think for me the big disapp- biggest disappointment is kuldeep yadav because i always thought he was going to be the next big thing in indian cricket when it comes to spin bowling i'm really disappointed that he's now in grade c similarly with yuvendra chahal but i have to admit yuvendra chahal did not play a lot of test cricket i don't know if he even made his test debut to be honest he's only playing limited overs cricket and ipl so he's probably happy with that um mm. yeah also a bit surprising is we don't have somebody like uh, i i can't see in this list somebody like natarajan um so it came as a surprise i don't know if right. he, yeah so he was only drafted in for that uh, brisbane test match in australia and then the the odi series uh, subsequently i'm surprised that he is not given some sort of a contract because uh, i don't know if it's sending the right signal or the wrong signal for that matter yeah but uh, yeah it's, it's it's really surprising we have only three a plus grades right so virat kohli rohit sharma and jasprit bumrah so that is i would say very uh, fair uh, they are the three mm-hmm. three premier cricketers but uh, yeah i'm 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 very disappointed uh, for a couple of them there especially with natarajan so i hope they right. consider him in the future now that's a very good point as well i would i'm really hoping you know they would have some sort of a provision they would pay him on as a play pay as you play sort of a contract or something but you're right also maybe you're uh, disappointed to see your favorite player vijay shankar not in the list yeah i'm always unhappy about vijay shankar i don't know why he's not part of uh, the india squad at all <laughs> hmm. no but okay. uh, i don't know i mean i don't know if he was ever part of the plan after the 2019 world cup so Well, see, he's right. probably faded away into the distance. Uh, we really hope not. I mean, he he had a lot to offer. At least there was always a role. But I mean, once Hardik Pandya comes back, who has a similar sort of a setup for himself, it's tough for. He's already back. Pandya. Hardik Pandya is already back. Why do you always? Why why do people always keep saying once Hardik Pandya is back, he's back in the team. He's batting sometimes, but he's not always bowling. He's he's a. Uh, I think famously people. Uh, I think there is an English word, no, English phrase. bits and bobs is that sort of a cricket he has a he, he has an impact game of course when it comes to batting but apart from that uh, lords 54 or 64 uh, in uh, in england i think way back in 2018 i can't remember i, I can't remember any bo- other bowling performance that he has had in test cricket he didn't play a lot of test cricket afterwards as well and he's now 28 years old i don't understand why he's always thought you know talked about uh, in uh, such great at great such great lens we have other players as well so Yeah, even his brother, for that matter. Even his brother, for that matter, he is also a very good player. Why do you always of course, push? Of course, 
talking about Hardik. I think you took off on a tangent. And he's supposed to be the next Kapil Dev, right? right. <laughs> he's supposed to be the next Kapil Dev. Well, who knows? Apparently. Look, I think you took off on a tangent. I said once Hardik Pandya came back, it was going to be tough for Vijay Shankar. I accept that he's already come back into the team. That's why Vijay Shankar came. No, he's not yet back. In my opinion, that's what I said. In my opinion, Hardik Pandya is not yet back. He's only there once in a while. Right. He's not in all squads. He was not there in Australia Test squad, for example. Right. He was recovering from an injury. So, they want to proceed with caution with him. Agreed. Because his bowling is not his strength at the moment. Right? I think so. he's making good recovery. It's Look, in, in a long career, a year or two is not much, uh, hopefully. And he's able to come back to his best and give his both. Look, the, the thing you have to be careful about is he doesn't go the way of him, Angelo Matthews. So... Yeah, who's gone course. really brittle and every time he bowls, he ends up injured. You know, you don't want him to yeah. go that way. So I think they're being a bit careful and uh, you never know. You can never yeah. second guess yourself, right? So in this case, probably caution is the right approach rather than being a bit uh, foolhardy, in my opinion. The point I'm trying to make here is the way the contracts are handed out. Is it based on all three forms of cricket or just test cricket as a primary focus or limited overs? I mean, I don't know how this is done. Maybe they have some sort of a formula for that. I think there is. But if they were considering test cricket, if they were considering test cricket when they were drafting in these contracts, uh, I don't see a place for Hardik Pandya in grade A. He should be in grade B, to be honest. Hmm. But let's see. <laughs> Luckily, I'm not in the decision-making process. I, I think they take an impact performance. So for example, yeah. somebody like Shami retains a grade A contract in spite of being you know, injured mm-hmm. for a period. Right? Ajinkya Rahane is a test player. Chetashwar Pujar is only a test player. But they both have a grade A contract. I think it's about the importance of the player to the team. And I think they have yeah, a formula. Yeah. I mean, come on. There is definitely a formula. We don't know it. But I think it's mostly about yeah. the impact that these people are able to bring into the team. Right? Vridhi Saha, for example, still retains a grade B contract. He hardly played a game last year. Right? So, it's not that black and white. So, I think, I think they have made these decisions with some good... Let's say um, of ways course. of measuring player impact of their performances. Only thing, I'm a bit disappointed because uh, for me, Yuzvendra Chahal was a part of India's limited overs international teams, both one day and T20. Now he can't sort of get off the bench. Mm-hmm. He's on the bench, but he's, he can't get a place in the 11 with people like, uh, you know, uh, Krunal Pandya making a breakthrough. Of course, Washington Sundar is a big impact player, doesn't yet play one dayers, but I think he'll shortly be there. So, when you look at that, I think that's where probably Yuzvendra Chahal has missed out. I mean, I think we should, I think I'm, I'm also a bit disappointed about Manish Pandey missing out because I still see him having a role, right? Much like somebody like Shreyas Ayer in the, in the limited overs. For example, he could have had been given a grade C contract. But anyway, uh, we will see that. I think we should uh, move on. Otherwise, yeah. we'll get into a longer discussion. But I think you are, you are going to make a point there, Giri, before we finish. Now, some more names missing like uh, Surya Kumar Yadav, Ishan Kishan, these guys who are coming into the uh, into the Indian cricket team. But I think there's still some time for them to prove them their worth, I guess. So, it'll be yeah, good just point. like Natarajan, I guess. So, we'll good, see. Good point. I don't want to continue my rant. I want to stop it here. So, please proceed. All right. All right. So, but I think it's good to have a rant every now and then, right? So, because <laughs> yeah. before we wrap up the stories, a very big piece of news England have sort of gone the other way compared to the other teams when it comes to how to choose a team. Right? Still now, it's most teams have a um, chief selector, probably a traveling selector, a selection panel. But now suddenly, England have decided to stop with having a selection panel. So the men's head coach, Chris Silverwood, has been given the responsibility of picking a team. 
and this is for the first time in 120 years of cricket organized cricket that england have done something like this giri so this is almost i dare say the pakistan model where the chief uh, selector was also the head coach right yeah. i mean yeah, yeah. do you see do you see the mentality or do you see the do you see why this is actually done i think chris silverwood chris silverwood probably has a better rapport with his players and he probably knows their strengths uh, and weaknesses and england also have a team which is uh, i think they have something like horses for courses so they have different players playing different formats and you you hardly have anybody who plays all three formats say for example ben stokes josh butler these are all uh, exceptions so i think uh, selection wise he will have a different strategy anyway so he probably knows all these players he knows the pool uh, of players that he's going to pick from for uh, for a certain match or for a certain series so yeah i don't know i mean i it's still early days i think like you said pakistan is probably the only other team who has done it in the recent past uh, and i never see this happening i would never see this happening with india for example <laughs> there is going to be a huge issue we have zonal selectors and all that uh, anyway mm-hmm. um but uh, yeah i mean i'm curious how this will all shape up because uh, it will probably induce a different sort of dynamics in the whole team forming process because mm-hmm. the coach selects a, a coach selects a player that means the coach has full faith in the player rather than a selector you know selecting a player and the coach having to establish some sort of a, a working relationship with the player so it's it's probably a different dynamic that's the way i see it anyway that is a very good point that you bring across no doubt but look there is an inherent conflict in these two roles because a selector is supposed to do a job independent of what the coach says because the selector is supposed to have a view that is sort of a bit more overarching than the selector because the selector actually is one of the roles that's expendable whether a selector is mr a or mr x or miss y that is a job that needs to be done irrespective of who the coach is if you combine these two if you are a player struggling you need a shoulder to cry on do you go to your coach because the moment you do that you might become ineligible for selection you see there is an inherent uh, at least for me there is a conflict of interest the same person should not be doing the two roles it it might really come to the point where as i said there may be people who might be afraid to go talk to him because of what it might mean for them in their future career prospects right because no one individual can be completely completely unbiased when it comes to both these things but as you say if you are forming a team dynamic where you probably rely more on the captain doing the selectorial duties at the end of the day the captain is the leader on the field and yeah. off the field as well your selectors sometimes as you say fulfill the role in where they keep an eye on the future as far as the team composition is concerned and what suits best and there have been enough let's say fights where the, the selector picks a team and neither the coach nor the captain is happy with it this has happened enough times so when you keep this in mind probably it's not a bad idea i'm i'm looking at how things might evolve in the upcoming days because um, i remember at least specifically always somebody like ian chapel always not not putting a whole lot of faith in the backroom staff he was not even big believer in a coaching setup he believed in a man manager or a manager sort of a role rather than a coach sort of a role but then i think even he pumped for a selector to be present where some some decisions have to be taken independent of because as a captain you are still involved very closely with the team and whether you want or not there will be some sort of uh, let's say uh, favorites and some sort of uh, partiality that comes in without you knowing even i might i might dare say if you are a captain right because we work at a club at a very independent level 
where as a captain you are often also the coach often also a selector and i see that there is a conflict when look towards the end of the season you have to select what is best for your team but you have to still do justice to some of the players who have not had enough chances we play at a club so there i already see a conflict in the international level this conflict doesn't come into it because it's not about chances it's about winning right nonetheless i already see the conflict sometimes where i can't remain completely impartial and i actually ask some help from somebody outside of my team in our club we are actually considering putting a selection panel in place this year as well so i mean i don't want to go too deep into it but some some thoughts that i thought i might express because too much of uh, power invested in one person when misbaul had took this over but now it looks like other teams are also going with the similar pattern so as you said it remains to be seen how this the role of a coach slash selector evolves in the upcoming yeah. months and years right i think it's not going to be a case of judge and the jury to be honest probably uh, chris silverwood is of made of different metal i think he's uh, the way i see it and also the the interviews or uh, the 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 analysts when they speak about chris silverwood they speak uh, very highly of him as being more of a people uh, people manager he has very good people skills apparently and about your point you know when they when some when a player needs a shoulder to try on uh, they might make you know mentor groups within the team itself where you know you can confide in people without having without you being judged for it and maybe chris silverwood is very easily approachable uh, that's one of the reasons i think uh, why the i think there was confusion between chris silverwood joe root and moin ali if you remember that uh, episode that happened when they were in india moin ali was allowed uh, or given permission to travel back to england to you know break the bubble as, as it were uh and this was not communicated to jorot apparently not, not in the right way but chris, chris silverwood and the management were aware of it i don't know if you remember this uh, ajit right right and jorot right. came out and then said something like moin wanted to go so we let him go but this was always part of the plan moin ali always had this plan of breaking the bubble in the middle of the series um way back in sri lanka so they, the plans were already made back then and chris silverwood was, was aware of this but not jorot so so i think jorot or the captain may take decisions on the field whereas all these things you know managing people uh, and their expectations and their constraints you know all these things would be handled by somebody like chris silverwood so i mean this this could work it is early days yet like i said but uh, uh, this is very curious i mean i think they have all the data they need to select players these days because everything is available right you have videos you don't have to have scouts looking at players uh, in the lower leagues you know to pick a talent out from out there so you have so much of data available so much of uh, stuff uh, so let's see i mean this is a different evolution i think cricket is evolving as we speak uh, and it's probably progressing in a different direction maybe this will be the future let's see right interesting thoughts and i really look forward to how it uh, how this dynamic actually evolves right look at where we are heading with the 100 for example over or the european oh. super league oh yeah <laughs> i'm hoping oh, the 100 yeah. happens to be the same anyway <laughs> okay from your lips to the ears of the gods we'll see before we wrap up uh, you know all the news section so uh, we've uh, got to know that delisa kimins the australian uh, all-rounder has decided to hang up her boots so we wish her all the best with her uh, you know the rest of her uh, life and her second or third innings when it comes to cricket as well So now let's move on. Let's take a look at trivia section. So Giri, would you like to take us through the trivia section again? The question from the last episode was: There is only one active franchise in IPL history that has had no hundreds scored by its captain. 
and the question was which was this team this was actually way back in 2008 actually uh, that the team is uh, kolkata night riders right um, and the uh, century was scored by baz brendan mccallum mm-hmm. 158 blazing century that Uh, I think it was his first game of IPL in 2008. It was the first ever game. Exactly. What a what a start. What a start. <laughs> and Ganguly I think was the uh, was the captain for that team. So it was a I think this is an innings we all remember even now even after 13 years of IPL history. So that goes to show and this is strangely enough this is the only uh, franchise for which uh, his its captain has never scored a century. To be frank He scored a century for uh, KKR, and that's the only century they've ever had in their IPL history. They have never had another century scored uh, mm-hmm. by them, right? So that's very, very strange. But maybe you know they have a lot of talented batsmen. Maybe one of these uh, years somebody will break that uh, duck, and Owen Morgan may even score a hundred. Let's see if that happens. You're not sure Owen Morgan might hit a hundred for KKR, uh, Giri? No, I'm thinking more about uh, Shubman Gill. I, I would like Shubman Gill to score a century. I think uh, it will be very good for his uh, mm-hmm. future as well. Um, but yeah, let's move on to the trivia question for this episode. Um, we've spoken a little bit about this team. Again, it's going to be about IPL. Um, so we spoke about uh, the, one of the matches where this guy played a major part in turning the game on its head, basically. So when, let's say, Mumbai were playing really well, this guy. ensured that the game was brought back uh, to their control uh, so the question is which bowler has taken the most number of hat tricks in ipl history so we are looking for the player who has taken the highest number of hat tricks in the history of ipl cricket did we actually talk about him giri we usually do talk about this player i think we may have not talked about him for a change this episode yeah i, I thought we mentioned him but uh, he is of your ilk i would say that's a nice clue to give so if our uh, listeners have been listening to the other episodes if you know what my skill set is my primary skill set is that's a big clue so yeah we look forward to hearing from uh, our listeners the answer to this question or you know other thoughts that you may want to share with us regarding how we do our podcast and any other thoughts you may have so do write in to us at twitter at armchair cricket pod we are also on instagram by the way at armchair cricket podcast we are also available via mail uh, anjay.cricket@gmail.com these are all ways in which you could contact us you could also leave a you know you could also leave a comment in any of the apps you used to listen and we would get back to you so we would love to hear from you as always plenty of cricket to look forward to even test cricket giri yeah i mean last year we were complaining about lack of cricket and here we are <laughs> complaining about too much of cricket and yeah I mean, we can we can never have enough of test cricket Hmm. Uh, so it's good to be talking about cricket again and not about covid oh yeah so Perfect. yeah right <laughs> having said all that it's a goodbye from me and it's a goodbye from him bye bye this is the armchair cricket podcast Sit back and enjoy.